You know, a lot of people, <clears throat> when you start talking about things of God and they say things like this, well, if the Lord wants me to prosper, then he'll prosper me or he'll do something about it. If the Lord wants me to be healed, he'll heal me or he'll do something about it. And uh, that is a lot of the mentality in the church around the world. Uh, you know, they're just waiting on God to do something about it. But isn't it funny that for the most part, they don't think that way when it comes to salvation? Well, if the Lord wants me saved, he'll do something about it. He did do something about it 2,000 years ago. Amen? And, uh, but having said that, when it comes to healing, he did something about that 2,000 years ago. When it comes to your financial prosperity, he did something about that 2,000 years ago. And so um, I know a lot of people may, uh, this is what I tell people. I've been pastoring for 20 years, but I've been in ministry. We were missionaries in Africa as well. And the older I get, the more I realize that I thought I knew something that I did not know. Have you ever been there? When it comes to serving God, that's where you and I live. We never ha arrive. We never exhaust uh, revelation. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think you ought to be uh, just gullible and, and receive anything and everything. There's some things that are taught that are just you know, in my opinion, just flat out wrong. But there's some things that I'm teaching now that I would disagree with Mike today if I taught this, if I heard this talk seven, eight years ago, five years ago. I would disagree. You know, it's funny. I, somebody says, well, I, I don't know if I can agree with that. I said, that's okay. I've disagreed with myself before. <laughs> that means you're growing, though. It means you're you can't exhaust the revelation knowledge that God has available for you and me. It's, it's because he's God and we're not. But uh, uh, today I want to talk to you about some principles that I think will be helpful when it comes to the area of finances. And so, uh, and I've said this before, that people in, in the church realm have trouble when it comes to talking about money and uh I believe most Christians have, well, I shouldn't say most, there's a lot of Christians have uh, trouble about hearing about money, and that's because um, they are relying more upon money than they are God. There's only one guy that, uh, one person that God said, uh, sell all you have and come and follow me. And the reason God did that is because he was totally trusting in money and not, he had a problem. He couldn't trust God. He was trusting in his money. And so it's still true today. And probably, maybe, some of us have been there to where we trust in money more than we trust God. And uh, the problem with that is money can come and money can go. But God's always going to be there. Amen. So in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, if you, depending on which theologian you study after, read after, Abraham lived around 2,000, 2,100, give or take 100 years, uh, B.C., before Christ. So just to give you that kind of time frame, I wanted you to know that. But in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, it says, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram, this is before he had a name change, Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. Uh, anytime you read about a famine, it's because there was a lack of rain, and uh, they were totally 100% dependent upon rain to grow their crops. And so if there was famine, that meant there was no rain. But God instructed Abraham, Abram to go to Egypt because of the famine, because of the lack of rain. And uh, the, the kind of thing that you need to know, but Egypt was always a type of the world. And, uh, and God never wanted us to rely and depend upon the world for anything. Now, I'm not saying that, well, we are disconnected from the world. No, I'm not saying that at all. But our trust should come in the Lord. Our trust should come in Jesus. But here God is telling Abraham, Abram to go to Egypt. I want you to go to Egypt. And uh, 
I, I just thought that was quite odd for God to tell Abram to go to Egypt. And so if you start studying out Egypt, they were more advanced than anybody on the planet when it came to irrigation. Egypt, when there was a time of famine, they usually prospered because of the famous river Nile. It uh, was supported by its uh, water. It was from Central Africa. I looked at this uh, this week and 11 uh, countries in Africa helped support water for the Nile River. 11 countries. So that's a lot of water and a lot of countries that make up the Nile. You know, it's over 4,000 miles long. So it's, that's a lot of water. But uh, here we, we have, there was one time, I, I want to throw this in there because somebody says, well, it's not always like that. The only time that you, you can, as far as history, as far as I know, was the time of Joseph. In the time of Joseph, there was famine that even affected Egypt. And that, I guess because all of those 11 countries that supported the water system, uh, they did, were going through a drought as well, which is quite odd, qu quite strange for that many countries to have a lack of rain. But even then, the Nile flowed, but Egypt got its water supply when it overflowed. That's how their canal system was built. Does that make sense? So the three months of their growing season, June, July, and August, that's when the Nile River would overflow and they would build these canals and, and they would have channels and they would have dams and they would have all of this system in place. They were so far advanced when it came to that. They even had water paddle wheels that helped move the water. And so they were really, really advanced. And so I'm, that was to get your attention. Everybody listen to me now? Everybody listen? So uh, they were really advanced and so Abram got to experience that. I want you to keep that in mind. He got to see that in action. And the majority of the people who lived in Egypt, I'm sure they saw that. So God wanted Abram to go to Egypt. This is my opinion, and I'm telling you that, that I believe God wanted to show Abram the irrigation system and how it worked and how they were doing all of that. Just keep that in the back of your mind, all right? So Genesis Chapter 26, verse 1 through 6, this is about Isaac, Abram's son, Abraham at that time, his son. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerah. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt, live in the land of which I shall tell you. Now here, Isaac like father, like son. So there was a famine, lack of rain. So what was Isaac going to do? I'm going to do what my dad did. You're going to go to Egypt. So Isaac was getting ready, probably packing his bags, getting ready to go to Egypt, and God said, hold on. I don't want you to go to Egypt. I want you to live in the land that I tell you, which was Gerah. He says, I want you to stay right where I, I plant you. And now you think, okay, there's no rain. It's famine and you want me to stay here. This is why I titled this relationship, not formula. Are you hearing me? Because in the first two messages, you know, I, I've always probably for the last 20 years of my life, probably the last 30 years of my life, I've always thought that my prosperity was based upon my giving. Don't raise your hand, but a, a lot of Christians believe that. And maybe some of you still believe that. And that's all right. You can disagree with me. That's great. My wife disagrees with me from time to time. We stay married. Isn't that awesome? But anyway, uh, it's funny how people can disagree with a pastor and they leave. And I'm thinking, you will never find a church that you can stay at because eventually you'll find something that you disagree with. I find stuff that I disagree with me. I should leave every once in a while. But um, So... Uh, the re and we taught this. You really need to listen to the last two sermons, but because a lot of times people think that uh, I believe in giving and receiving, sowing and receiving. I totally believe in that, and I said this is part of the equation of your prosperity, but it cannot or should not, I should say, be the foundation. The grace of Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the foundation for everything. 
whether it's your being saved and going to heaven, whether it's uh, by the stripes of Jesus you were healed, or it's by his grace that you get all of your needs met and have an abundance. And we taught this, that Paul said to the Philippian church that they went from extreme poverty to uh, extreme generosity, and he said it was by the grace of God. The grace of God. So this is the thing. If we don't have a revelation of his grace in any of these areas of our life, I know we're having some issues with this mic. It's not me. But if we don't have revelation, the grace of God when it comes concerning prosperity, we'll always be begging and try, trying to twist God's arm to give it to us. I do know this. Like I said, for about 30 years, I started learning about the will of God concerning healing. Before that, I didn't know. It was, I was raised in the fact that uh, God caused you to be sick. God was the, you know, if you lost your child, it was God who took them. And, you know, you get these cute little, uh, which are not cute, by the way, these cute little cards. And I've, when I was growing up, we, I remember getting one of them saying, you know, God needed a flower in heaven, and that's why he took, you know, your whatever. And I'm thinking, really? And everybody thinks that's so spiritual and so cute, and it's a lie. It's what it is. But um, God does not, I mean, first of all, the creator of all the earth, he, he, he's got to do that to have flowers up in heaven. Come on now. But anyway, uh, a couple years ago, I felt like the Lord said something strong to me that to give me our church a mandate, a mandate to change the way people think about God, think about him that he's a father and he's an awesome father and that he loves us so much and that he doesn't cause sickness to come upon people. He doesn't take people's children or their spouse or their relatives or their friend or their boss or anybody else. He's the one who came up with thou shalt not kill, by the way. Just food for thought. But... Uh, he gets a lot of blame that what the devil does and so the devil says man yeah I don't have to do really anything the Christians are believing that God's doing all of this but uh, uh, this is my point you can have there is years of my life years of my life that I had knowledge about by the stripes of Jesus First Peter 2.24 we were healed and how that God wanted us healed and I thought I had it enough inside of me that I could walk in healing and be healed and sometimes I was sometimes I went you know kind of like almond joy sometimes you feel like a nut sometimes you don't but anyway I mean it, it worked sometimes sometimes it wasn't and, and I knew that wasn't the will of God I knew that my father if you're a halfway decent father I've got three kids three grandkids you know and I never want my kids sick I said, I never want my kids, I mean, if, if you do, you know, don't raise your hand because you'll probably get locked up. But, I mean, you, you, no, no father wants their kids sick, even when they disobey. <laughs> you know, you know, if you disobey God, you know, you, he can make you sick. And I'm thinking, I'm a dad, and if my kid disobeys, I'm going to go, I just hope a cancer comes on you. Well, what kind of... They take my kids away. Social service don't even believe that. It's a shame that the church believes that. They take your kids away from you because you're nuts. And here the church is preaching that. Hallelujah. But this is the thing. This is the thing. I thought, you know, I've got enough. And then all of a sudden, it was probably just about 12 months ago, I started understanding healing like I've never understood it before in my whole entire life. And I, I just... After going through that, that phase, I just thought, I thought I knew this. I thought I knew this. I thought I knew this. And this is a problem. I did know it up here. But there wasn't a revelation down here to where that I knew that I knew that I knew. And it's hard to explain that because you really can't explain revelation. <laughs> you just have to know it. I can tell you about it. You know, it, it's like I, I said this, you know, the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. What in the world does that mean? Taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. And, and I got this illustration. You know, if I went to Africa and one of the bush 
bush places that we would go to, I mean, it was so, I mean, it was so bush. That's the only way. I mean, it's like, you know, they don't, they, they just don't know civilization whatsoever. But if I tried to explain to them about, I, you know, ice cream, you all know that's, hmm, God and everything about him and then my family and my church and ice cream is right up it's that's why we're having ice cream social at, at my house because I know how to eat ice cream but anyway if I tried to tell somebody you know explain to them how ice cream tastes I would say it's it's really really good and uh, it's real sweet and uh, and they would say well what's sweet Oh, man. And, uh, you know, you have these flavors, caramel. Explain caramel. <laughs> Chocolate, you know, and, ooh, you get. <sighs> it's just, you know what? I would have to say, if you could taste, then you would know. There would be no explaining. That's what God is saying to you and to me. If you just taste, if you have a revelation of how good he is, that he wants you healed, that he wants you, does he want you to go to heaven? Obviously, but he doesn't want you just to wait to go to heaven. He wants you to live in him, which is heaven on earth right now. He wants you to experience his goodness right now. He wants you to uh, experience his saving power, his forgiving power, his mercy power, all that he is, his loving power. He wants you to experience that right now. Taste and see that the Lord is good. But you have to experience that, and you have to have a revelation of that. Up to about four years ago, I threw all I knew about grace. I mean, what preacher doesn't know? I mean, come on. If you're a preacher, you got to know about grace. And I thought, well, absolutely, I know about grace. And then four years ago, I found out I don't know squat about grace. And here I have been, been preaching. I thought, Lord, have mercy on everybody that I've been talking to. Grace, of course I know about grace. And the Lord says, no, you don't. And then for the last four years, I've been teaching and, and scaring a couple of people. But I mean, I, I just thought, holy cow, God, you are so, you can hear about grace, but not know about grace. You can say, I understand about grace and not have a clue about grace. It's that way about everything. For example, how about this? How many people in America know about Jesus? What he did. But are they saved? No, they don't. They haven't believed that, received him. But they know. They have the knowledge. It's that way in the church. Not this church. I'm just saying generally in church. People can know about healing. People can know about the grace of God. People can know about finances but they not have a revelation of it. In other words, it's not really being manifested in their life. And we always say this, and I always say this probably at least a monthly thing. Don't ever let anything that comes from this pulpit condemn you or make you feel guilty or ashamed because condemnation is not from God, it's from the devil. And condemned people can't receive from God. It's not because he's withholding it, it's because you don't think you're worthy enough. Nobody's worthy without Jesus, but because we have Jesus, now we're the righteousness of God, and therefore everything is yes and amen, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. All the promises are yes and which means so be it. Why? Not because of what Mike has done or can do, but because of what Jesus did for us. It's that way about being saved, but it's that way about being healed. It's that way about walking in prosperity. It's not what Mike can do, it's what he did. It's what he did. All right. I really got off. Where are we? Um, Genesis, did I start reading Genesis chapter 26, verse, did I get to stop at verse 2? Let's start at verse 2. All right. Let's start at verse 1. Get the PowerPoint people going there. Genesis 26, when there was a famine in the land, besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerah. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, go down to Egypt, live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. 
and your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerah. So here he is. God specifically told him, don't go to Egypt. Stay right here in Gerah. So there was famine going on. So he thinks, how am I going to do this? I'm glad you asked. Verse 12, then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. He sowed in the time of famine. No water, no rain, I should say, no rain, and yet he got a hundredfold return. Verse 13, the man began to prosper, Isaac. He continued prospering until he became very prosperous. So do you understand what that means? He was rich. I mean, like, I, I don't like this term, but he was what some people would call filthy rich. I mean, that means he's got so much money that he, he's scary rich. Bill Gates kind of rich. Apple kind of rich. They're, they're a trillion-dollar corporation now. Holy cow. Verse 14, and this is for those people who think it was just spiritually prosperous. Verse 14. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. That means he had more than four or five sheep. For the whole nation of the Philistines to envy somebody, he's got lots of stuff. Lots of sheep and cattle and servants. This guy is, he's wealthy. He's not well off. He is wealthy with a capital W. Verse 15, now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they had filled them with earth. I just want you to be in the back of your mind, wells. Just listen to this as we read. Verse 15, and Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. This is the king of a nation telling one person to leave because you're too mighty and you're scaring us, man. You're scaring my people. You need to leave. Are you getting a picture? All right, verse 17. Then Isaac departed from there and he pitched his tent in the valley of Gerah and dwelled there. And Isaac dug again the wells. Everybody say wells. He dug the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called the... He, called them the wells by the names which his father had called them and Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there verse 20 but the herdsmen of Gerah quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen saying the water is ours so he called the name of that well Isaac because they quarreled with him then they dug another well and they quarreled over that one so he called it Sitna Verse 22, and he moved from there and he dug another well and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Beersheba and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and he called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants dug a well. First of all, he realized that God was the one who caused him to prosper. But I want you to know it was based upon relationship, not a formula. You need to get a hold of this now. Because like I've said, most people uh, who believe in tithing, I believe in tithing, but not probably like the way you do. I believe in giving, but it's because for what I know what God has done for me, not because I'm trying to get something. Or not because I believe I'm filling out my religious square and if I don't give you know, to God, you know, he'll be like the Godfather and break my leg or something. He'll get his money from me somehow. Come on now. He's God and he's Father, but he's not the Godfather. He doesn't go around breaking people's legs because they don't tithe. Y'all look real serious today. 
but God caused him to prosper. Verse 32, and it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug and said to him, we have found water. All right, now, I'm gonna give you my opinion. Everybody say opinion. That means you can disagree with it. That means I, I, I can't 100% prove it in the word, so that's why I'm letting you know it's my opinion. I believe God had Abraham, Abram at that time, go to Egypt to learn about the irrigation that they were doing. I believe when he left, he came back wealthy, by the way, and then he had his son Isaac, and I believe he taught his son Isaac about irrigation. If you look up... Um, like I said, Abraham was around 2,000 years before Christ. The Egyptians had been irrigating and learning irrigating over 1,000 years before Abraham even came on the scene. You can study in, in, in history, and around 3100 B.C., there was a king named Meniz. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Meniz really, he took irrigation to a different level than what the Egyptians had known before. And so that's why when there was a famine, anytime there was a famine, everybody uh, on, they were the known power at that time, but everybody went to Egypt at that time because they knew if you go to Egypt, there's gonna be crops because they knew how to irrigate even the time when there's no rainfall. Well, there's not much rainfall in Egypt anyway. It's a uh, desert type area anyway, but they got their rain or their water from the Nile, which got its water from about 11 countries in Central Africa. So very, like I said, only one time in history that I'm aware of that those 11 countries didn't get water as well. I mean, it's one thing for a country not to get uh, rain, but for 11 countries, that's pretty rare. Are you following me? But it did at that time. And listen, the Nile River still was flowing at least that's what history says. But uh, the Egyptians, the three months of their growing season, they got the water from the flood. They knew exactly. They studied and they knew when the Nile was going to flood. And that was three months out of the year. That was the time they built these canals and did all their irrigation system. And they knew when it was coming and they would use that flooded water to irrigate all of their crops. But during the time of Joseph, that's when the irrigation wasn't happening very well because there was a lack of water. Even though the Nile was flowing, it wasn't flooding for those seven years. Are you following? So Abram went. He understood about irrigation. He comes home, and he talks to his son. Back to my opinion. Look how many times. Let me, let me preface it with this. We, you can study the Bible about how did God prosper Isaac. It doesn't say doesn't say how, could, could God do this? He could do this. He could, Isaac could have put a dry seed in a dry ground and not had any water and God could have caused those crops to grow. I believe that could have happened. Nothing's impossible with God. That is a possibility. But we don't know because it just said that Isaac sold in the time of famine and he received a hundredfold return. We don't know. This is my opinion. I believe his daddy talked to him about Irrigation, And that's why you see him, why, why does he keep saying, and he dug a well, and he dug a well, and he dug a well, he dug a well, he dug wells, and his servants dug wells, and he got water from wells. And I'm thinking, so? He dug wells. I'm glad. I got it, God. I got it. He, he dug wells. I believe that he dug wells and got water from these wells, and he irrigated his crops. Just a thought. You can disagree with that. I'll still love you. It's possible. It's possible. Proverbs 8, verse 12. For I am wisdom, and I am shrewd and intelligent. I have at my disposal living understanding to devise a plan for your life. This is why when I'm talking about finances, I believe giving is part of the equation but I do not believe that should be your foundation. Jesus is the foundation for anything and everything in your life, and you and I need to get a hold of that. And it's the grace, it's the grace that he provides 
in that relationship. What does that mean? I couldn't do anything or pay for anything or, or get right enough to get saved. You couldn't either. What is that called? Grace. I couldn't do really anything uh, to, to, for me to be a participant of healing. That's called grace. But a lot of people believe that, but we haven't stepped over and say the same thing when it comes to about our prosperity or having all of our needs met. We got to make sure that we're doing something. And we put that as our foundation and we're forgetting about what Jesus has done for you and me. Mm. By grace are you saved. By grace are you healed. By grace you are prospering. It's all about him and his grace. And grace is Jesus. It's about him. I'm going to give you an example. You know, my wife, you know, she, she likes to garden. I do not. You can have a six by 12, six yards by 12 yards garden. You all see that? Six by 12. You see? So, and you all know my story. My mom, we, in Kentucky, we had a big garden, and um, I, when the other kids would go and play, I would be pulling weeds because Kentucky gets rain. You all don't understand rain. I understand rain. But uh, in Kentucky, so you, you, the summer you were pulling weeds many hours, and we didn't have a, a little 6 by 12. My mom canned, you know, 53, 68, 75 quarts of green beans alone, and that was one thing she was canning. I don't like gardens. I'm thankful for people who do. I told my wife, I'll plow it, but after that, I'm done. It's yours. It's against my religion. Anyway, so you got a six by 12. And this is the thing. If you want to work that yourself and not have God any part of that, you're going to, get, you're going to receive some kind of return off that garden. It's just the laws uh, of what God put on this planet. So you'll get some kind of return. You follow me? But you can believe in the grace of God is your foundation. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy, whatever I set my hand to shall surely prosper. You can bring God into the equation. You can have a relationship with God and truly believe by faith that now whatever you sow in this, you are going to get the largest return possible on that little piece of plot of ground. You follow me? All right. So that's what God can use to bring about you a return. Well, let's say, you know, like I said uh, last week, there, the term, I'd never heard of this term before. In Kentucky, we do not, well, they may now, but back then, we don't say, oh, I've got a section of land. Well, I, I, let me clarify this. We'd say I got a section of land, but that just means, oh, you got a quarter of an acre or you got this. I got a section of land. So when I came here, somebody says I got a section of land. I went to, to buy something on the Colorado-Kansas border, you know, right before the earth ends. But, uh, and uh, I heard this term, a section of land. And I, there again, I said, oh, really, section of land. So what do you got, an acre, two acres, three acres? He goes, that's a mile square. And I went, <laughs> uh, mile of land? Yeah. He goes, yeah. And, you know, I got 50 sections. And my brain's going, that's a lot of land. That's just a lot of land. But this is a section. So let's take the same mentality into a section of land. So you can do the same thing in it, or you can bring God into the equation where the grace of God says, I will prosper that section of land to the most that land can possibly produce. You can do that, you know, or then you can use God, or not use God, but believe God. And now you've got the same kind of mentality that you had here. And man, I'm not going to color all of that in, but you're going to get a huge return. What is the difference in return as far as the amount that this one will produce versus this one will produce? It's just the size of land that you are making God available to bless. Did you hear me? It's the land that you're making available for God to pour out his grace upon that he actually 
took care of 2,000 years. And so I believe as a believer, whereas that's what made Isaac prosperous. He wasn't sowing a six by 12. I mean, can you imagine what he was sowing and everybody's thinking, you're crazy, boy. It's famine. There's no rain. What are you doing planting that? Got a plan. It's a God plan. The wisdom of God has been poured upon me, and I'm going to walk in that wisdom. And because I have a relationship with him, he tells me what to do to cause this bumper crop to come into existence, and I'm listening to him. I'm in relationship with him. Are you hearing me? So I don't believe he planted a six by 12. I believe he got his servants out there, and I said, it's planting time, and we're going to get suctions of, of crops in the ground. And everybody in the town, all the Philistines and everybody's going, he's a weird boy. He's something wrong with him. But what happened? He got a hundredfold return. He got the most bumper crop, the most that you could possibly receive off the ground that he was planting in. And so I started thinking about this, and I believe believers need to start talking to God and say, where can I do something to have, in other words, this kind of mentality? I want a piece of land that you can, and I'm talking figuratively, not a literal piece of land, but what can I do to produce, uh, for you to produce grace to flow through this to cause an abundance? Does that make sense? You know, sometimes we just try to spiritualize everything. God is not going to give you, he's not got a printing press in, in heaven uh, that's going to make uh, counterfeit bills and $100 bills float down. That's counterfeiting. He's against counterfeiting, by the way. Are you following me? There again, you have to back up for those who, who haven't heard the first two messages. If you don't believe that God wants you to prosper, you'll never live above that. You will always live up to your belief system. If you believe that God, it's his will for you to live paycheck to paycheck or barely get by street, ride along, grumble alley, then you'll live there. You, you will live right there. You won't go past that. And so the Lord has, he's really stretched me in these last four years in particularly. And, and part of that is by hanging around people uh, or knowing people that are multimillionaires or who think it's, it's the, the blessing of the Lord so that we can be a blessing to the world as a whole so that we can get the gospel out. It does take money to have a building and we're believing God. You remember the three things we're, we're building, believing God for a bigger building. We're believing God to build a youth center for our city and we're believing God to build a university in the Congo where Stephanie's on her way back. A university. I said a university, that's a college, three-story, and that uh, I just found out from mom and dad, Hagemar, it'll be 3,000 students. You think that a a Christian university will impact a nation? Hmm. How many know they won't build that for free? Oh, your Christians will build that for free for you. It's like trying to get on an airplane. I'm a Christian. I'm doing the work of God. Can I fly for free? Let me know how that works for you. But this is what I believe. I believe that you, God can give you, he can download wisdom into you for your field to be bigger than what you thought and the return of being bigger than what you could dream. There, I, I don't know his name exactly, but um, there was, my boys were into 4-H and archery when they were younger. And they both took, they went to state championship. That means in Pueblo, they were the top six archers in all Pueblo County. They didn't get that from me. I used to shoot with them when they were first starting. We all put bells of hay in the back. And, and then in about six months, they started hitting the bullseye and doing all this. Jared split an arrow. I mean, just like the uh, uh, Robin Hood thing. He split that. And uh, I told him to quit because those things were about eight bucks a piece. But anyway, uh, <laughs> it's about time y'all laugh and took 30 minutes into the message. But anyway, uh, they, I, I got really interested in archery at that time. 
And I found there is a man, I think it was Matthews was his last name. There's a, um, a guy who was, uh, he loved honey, but he was a, a believer and he wanted to tell about the goodness of God and he went to go to foreign countries and preach and be missionary work. He wanted to do all these things, but he didn't. He told God, I don't wanna get offerings from churches. I, I'm just trusting and believing you to provide the finances for me to be able to do that, Lord. And so that was in the back of his mind. And one day he was going through the woods or whatever and he just asked God, he had this bowl and he said, God, I believe, uh, I'm asking you to give me a better idea how to make a bowl. And he made this, he went back to his house and all of a sudden God downloaded him the ability for this great compound bowl. The rest of his history, he's a multi-millionaire today. He can travel anywhere he wants and preach the gospel. I think it's a good idea. But this is what happened. He says, Lord, give me a lamp. Provide something for me that will produce. Do you understand how many ideas have not been done? How many things have not been invented? How many businesses have never been, been thought of? We're talking about God. You know, some people think, you know, well, we're so high tech. We got these smartphones, you know, and we're just, well, we're just high tech. And just, we live in a techie, techie world. And God's up in heaven and says, you are not even to the stone age yet. You, are, you know, the, we, our smartphones are not gonna impress God. I don't care how smart Apple can make a smartphone. It's never gonna, God's not gonna go, whoa. <laughs> He's gonna say, come here, Gabriel, look at it. They think that's cool. But this is the thing. God can download things and ideas to you that have never been thought of. Are you hearing me? He can do that. But what does it take? It doesn't take a formula. It takes a relationship. Come on now. It takes relationship. Isaac did something that nobody was doing because it was based on relationship. First of all, God said, don't go to Egypt. You stay right in Gira. What? Okay, I will. He told Abram, go to Egypt. So my point is this. God it may be right for one person to do this. It may be the right thing to do that. But you know what? You need to hear from God. And all of us can because the Bible promises you and me, my sheep, hear my voice. So we hear from God. So you need to, first of all, just hurdle that and say, I hear from God. It's an easy thing for me to hear from God. I hear from God. And so therefore, I'm going to make myself available for this. Sections of ideas. All right? Now, I said all of that to say this. I do believe this though. And I said this at first service. I, I, I'm reluctant to say this, especially online, because I know some people will take this to the nth degree and just be lazy. God's not into lazy and neither am I. And the word teaches that in Proverbs. That's another lesson. But this is what I do know. Let's just say somebody uh, is retired or in their 80s or 90s or something they're going on they're, they got something else going on that they just don't have the time or ability for whatever reason so does that mean that you're going to miss out on this first of all when it comes about the grace of God you can't put God in a box and say this is this is how it's done now we're back to formula are you hearing me when it comes to the grace of God I believe he can get stuff to you no matter what. And I'll give you an example. When the children of Israel came out as slaves from Egypt, God says, I'm gonna lead you to the promised land. It's gonna be, what kind of a land? It's gonna be, he told them what it was. It's gonna be a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, it's gonna provide all of your needs. But not only am I just leading you into this land, I'm gonna give you houses that you didn't build. I'm gonna give you vineyards and gardens that you didn't plant. And as far as water, it's a life source. I knew how important that was. I'm gonna give you wells that you didn't even dig. In other words, I'm gonna provide everything that you can possibly ever need and you're not going to have to do it. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to provide it for you. Now, to me, 
and to you, most of the time when we hear deals like that in America, that is too good to be true, and it's usually some kind of scam. No, I'm not interested. Click. I'm telling you, when it comes to the goodness and the grace of God, your father and my father, we do not have a clue, in my opinion, of how good he truly is because I do believe it's possible and I'm stretching myself to start believing that that you can live in houses you didn't pay for and you can have money coming to you you didn't work for I know some of you are getting just keep chewing eventually you can swallow but I'm reluctant to say this because I don't want people to just to go, well, bless God, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to sit on my sofa and watch TV and just believe God for that. Yeah, and you'll be complaining to me and saying it didn't work. Anytime we say, I, I tried believing in that healing, it didn't work. I tried believing that prosperity and didn't work. And I tried, no, 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 no. If it, the, the word of God teaches this. So the problem is not the word of God and the problem is not me, it's you and your belief system. You'll never live past your belief system. So in this church, I'm going to stretch you, and I believe the Holy Ghost is stretching all of us. I don't believe it's the will of God for us to live paycheck to paycheck. I believe it's the will of God that if there is a, a need that a missionary needs or a need that this church needs to get uh, more online stuff and better technology and more equipment that costs, oh, that costs $10,000. And your point is, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The young lions, they do suffer hunger and lack. But they that fear the Lord shall not lack any good thing. It's time we start believing the word. Instead of just confessing it and saying, yeah, that's true. But in the back of your mind goes, well, it never happened. I believe that God's ordained plan for man was not only to go to heaven, but it was to walk in the peace and all of the gifts of the Spirit, all the, the fruit of the Spirit, the nine fruit. You're supposed to be walking 24-7 in love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and gentleness, self-control. That's not part of your life. That is in you and been made one with you. That is your life. But I also believe it is not only possible, but the perfect will of God for you and I never to get sick. I haven't arrived there, but I tell you what, in the last 12 months, I've been, I've just, I'm doing a lot better off than I was 12 months before. When every cold comes around, you know, you hear Christians saying, well, yeah, I'm going to get it. Well, you got faith for it, you'll get it. You know the flu's going to come and it's flu season, I'll get it. You'll get it. But what if we turn that pony around and said the flu's coming and it has nothing in me? I believe in Jesus that what he did 2,000 years ago is more powerful than any germ on this planet. It's more powerful than any disease on this planet. We just have to start thinking that way. In the realm of prosperity, I believe it's possible for you and me to be totally prosperous, as it says in, in Corinthians 9, 8, that whatever financial need needs to be, it's going to be met in Jesus' name. We have more than enough to be a blessing to not only ministries, but to those who are in need. Jesus said, the poor you're always going to have with you. Well, if we're always going to have poor, there needs to be somebody who's got enough money to help the poor. If you are living paycheck to paycheck, you can't help an old poor person. Then you'll be poor. You won't be able to pay your electric bill if you give your electric bill money to somebody who, who's in need. You really think that's the will of God? If you do, that's the way you live. And God, listen to me, God will love you just the same. Let me make you perfectly clear. This does not have anything to do with your love or acceptance that God has for you, no matter what you believe. As far as, you know, if God, if people think that God makes them sick, God loves them the same. 
If, God, if people believe God makes them poor, God loves them the same. It's probably all the angels in heaven scratching their head and go, I don't get it, but you know. So this has nothing to do with about God's love level. I'm going way past my time. But listen, I want you to get talk to God about this message today. Talk to him about, Lord, what land, figuratively now, or it could be, I mean, if you want, what, do you want me to start a business? What, what kind of desires do you have rumbling on the inside of you? I mean, that guy was a hunter, and God gave him an idea to make a bowl. Wow, something that he loved. There's women that, uh, KFC, Kentucky boy, 65 years of age, that's when he started KFC, 65. What could he do? He's a Christian man too, by the way. He says, I, I, I can make chicken. So what did God open the door for him? He made chicken. Like nobody can make chicken at that particular time. So what thought, don't say, well, I'm just a housewife. I'm just a housewife. So what, what does that got to do with anything? God can tap you and cause things to open to you to start a business, to have an idea. But it's whether or not you really believe that God, that can flow through you. If you don't think that can flow through you, guess what? It won't. But there's been many women. Whiteout was designed by a woman. So she could white out all of her husbands. No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, <laughs> it was designed by a woman. She became a millionaire. White out. The white stuff, you mean that? Yeah. Do you know how many things that are like that have never been discovered, never been thought of, but God is just waiting for the church, for believers to have a relationship with him to the degree you can say, God, what is that? I'm so glad you asked. Boom, downloads that to you, and you walk out and go, this is so good. Oh, this is good. Everybody say, that's my daddy. That's my daddy. 